Hi. Welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present, on history.org. This is behind the scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. Joining me today is Martha Katz-Hyman, who is retired from Colonial Williamsburg, but not really. She still does everything. In Colonial Williamsburg, Anglican was the official faith at the beginning. Then during the Great Awakening, various Protestant denominations gained ground. Jews were never a huge influence, but they were an influence. And Mrs. Katz-Hyman knows that history. Uh, was there ever a synagogue in Williamsburg? There was never a synagogue in Williamsburg until the 20th century. Oh, okay. <laughs> in, so. in fact, the only synagogue in Virginia in the 18th century was in Richmond, and even that was not founded until after the Revolution. Now, if... I know there was a synagogue in Rhode Island because, believe it or not, Rhode Island was a center of religious freedom. I think the first was in New York. Correct. The first and the oldest congregation on the North American continent is Congregation Sheriff Israel in New York City. There were five other congregations, what are considered the six colonial Jewish congregations, one in Philadelphia, the one in Rhode Island, the one in New York, one in Savannah, one in Charleston, and the one in Richmond. The six of them sent a letter to George Washington after the revolution congratulating him upon his election to be president, and he wrote back to them a very famous letter saying that in this new country there would be acceptance and toleration of all religions. Mm -hmm. And these six congregations, Richmond included, were very happy about that. Um, Jews came to this country initially in 1654, fleeing persecution that had dogged them throughout the ages. The people who came in 1654 to New York were fleeing Brazil and the Spanish reconquering of Brazil oh, okay. from Holland. They had been they had fled to Brazil fleeing the Spanish Inquisition in 1492. So 1492 is not only when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, <laughs> but when Jews were forced to leave Spain and then Portugal under pain of death or conversion. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember the Inquisition. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who was supposed to be the chief bad guy. Torquemada. Yeah, that's him. That's him. <laughs> Uh, actually, I did not know that Jews had been forced to flee Brazil, but if the Spanish came, they would have to get out. That's right. They And they came to New Amsterdam. Peter Stuyvesant was not very happy. He, like many Europeans, had no great love for Jews at all. In fact, he, he we would call him probably anti-Semitic today. But he did not want you, these Jewish refugees, 23 of them, in New Amsterdam. And so he wrote to his um, superiors in Amsterdam saying, please give me permission to push them out. And 
Unfortunately for Peter, for Peter Stuyvesant, but happily for the history of the Jewish community in, in this country, the powers that be in Amsterdam said, unfortunately, you may not like the Jews being here, but stay in New Amsterdam, they will. As it turns out, there were a lot of funders of that colony in New York who were Jews in Amsterdam. <laughs> and money talked then and it talks now. Yeah. So even though Jews did suffer disabilities, I, I mean, not physical disabilities, but legal disabilities in New York in the 17th and 18th century, they stayed in New York. They founded their congregation, which continues today. Do you... Do you know when Jews got to Virginia? There are instances here and there of Jews coming through Virginia. As you said in your introduction, this being an Anglican church colony, it really wasn't very... um, a, a really amicable place for a Jew to be. They would not go to church, but had to support a state-supported church. And because of, the, uh, of this, there, there really aren't many that we know of before the revolution. The here and there, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember now, uh, in the early 18th century, but really none to speak of until late in the 18th century. Ironically, however, um, on my way to talk to you, I remembered that Ivor Noel Hume wrote an article in the, in the journal about the lost colony in North Carolina. And one of those people who came was, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, a Joseph Gans, G-A-N-S, who was a chemist. And it was thought that he could find gold, refine gold. <laughs> and he left, uh, went back to Europe. Um, but he may be one of the first Jews that we know of, that we have documentary evidence of in this part of North America. In the holiday issue, 2007, of the, uh, of the journal, there is, is or will be or online as well, an article about uh, the Jews and the freedom to celebrate the High Holy Days, and, uh, an article that, um, for which you supplied not only expertise but some props as well. You can see pictures of those, the online version. I want to ask you about, you brought in some pictures uh, of, of things and places, uh, and you brought in a menorah that looks like probably it hangs on the wall. Every menorah I've ever seen has candles, like, you know, you, and it's shaped, and you put in nine candles, and you light one per day. That's right. And this, you, you said, is a, is a oil? It's an oil. It's, this is an oil menorah. It's a, a, a reproduction of one that was probably used in 18th, 19th century Eastern Europe or even in, um, could have been used in the Middle Eastern countries, Yemen, um, where Jews lived for thousands of years. 
Um, but it, it is an oil Hanukkah menorah as opposed to a Sabbath menorah. There are two kinds, one that has seven candles, seven branches for the seven days of the week, and one that has nine for mm -hmm. Hanukkah. This is a Hanukkah one. And you fill the little cups with oil, and you put in a wick, and you light it that way. I've used it at my home this way. And in an era when candles were very, very expensive, um, you did not want to really use candles for basically what was a, um, a ceremonial purpose because the, the once you light these lights, you don't blow them out, you don't put them out in any um, uh, meaning, you don't put them out deliberately. That is, you let the oil burn itself out. And, and the candle burns itself and, out. And, a and, a, and, a, and if a candle were to burn itself out, you're talking and and by the end of Hanukkah you have used 44 candles that's a huge <laughs> expense in the 18th century whereas a little bit of oil with a little piece of, of cotton wicking is a much more cost-effective way to observe your holiday I read in the article that you can never be quite sure of a Jewish community because the synagogue or temple is not as important to Jews as a church is to Protestants or, or a cathedral is to Catholics. So Jews care more about the congregants than they do about where they congregate. You are absolutely right. You do not need a building to have worship services in the Jewish faith. All you need are even one person can pray in private, but a communal service needs 10 people. In, in the 18th century, this was 10 men. Today, with our varieties of, of Jewish practice, that includes women. But in the 18th century, 10 men over the age of 13 was all it took in one place to conduct a service. You didn't even necessarily need a Torah scroll, that is, the, the scroll of the first five books of the Bible written in Hebrew. Yes, it's you want to have a Torah. You want to be able to read from the Bible. But to have your prayers, you do not need to have the Torah there. So it's very easy to, if you could gather 10 men, you could have a service. And you did not need to have a rabbi. All you needed to have was someone who was knowledgeable in the ritual in, could say the prayers and lead the people. So I, even if there were 10, 15, 20 Jews in Williamsburg, you would not necessarily find a synagogue. Because that is correct, although there were never that many Jews okay, okay. <laughs> in 18th century Williamsburg. We know of one who lived here in the 18th century, that was Dr. Sequeira, who was at the public hospital, and even he did not identify publicly as a Jew, um, to our knowledge. That, that is, there's, there's very little written documentation that he left about his own personal life. He did leave a diary of the weather and a, of illness, but he wrote very little, if anything, about his personal life. So we don't know whether he identified as a Jew, everyone else knew in, in, the, in the city that he was Jewish, 
but he had no community. There was no community in Williamsburg. Bernard and Michael Gratz, who lived in Philadelphia, did business with the General Assembly, and they came down to Williamsburg to conduct their mercantile business and their trade with the colony. But they didn't stay here. They went back up to Philadelphia, where they did have a congregation and family and a Jewish community. Well, in those days, Philadelphia was the largest city, was it not? I Yes. Philadelphia was the largest city. It had a large active congregation. During the Revolutionary War, when, when fighting came to New York and, and the New York area, many of the Jewish inhabitants fled south to Philadelphia. After the war was over, they returned to New York. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, Europe, Spain, Brazil, United States, Jews never were accepted and welcomed anywhere, were they? I think you're correct. There was always something, whether um, whether from a theological standpoint, from a economic standpoint, Jews have gone from place to place to place to place, and in America have found a, a home where we can practice our religion freely, openly have positions in all walks of life, in all areas of, of industry, of economic life. Um, truly, anywhere you go in this country, you're apt to find at least one Jewish person, although, <laughs> they, although now, um, especially in the South and the, and the West, it's becoming more difficult when you go to a smaller town to find Jewish people. But but I would not be amiss in saying in, in the United States, Jews have found a very hospitable home. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.